This time on Holy Ghost Notes. Drums are a sin. Wow. Careful, Matt. We might lose some listeners here. I'm not changing diapers. I feel like something bad's going to happen. My gosh, that guy should be fired immediately. You're getting exploited, dude. Hi, this is Matt and Tim. Welcome to Holy Ghost Notes. Tim, how you doing? Hey, hey, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? It's been a while. It it's has. been busy. I know, I know. We squeezed in a bunch of uh, uh, episodes, and uh, so there's been a, a lot of time between the last, <laughs> the last recording and this one. A lot has That's happened, true. right? That's what happened. So it's yeah. not that we didn't. It's not that we avoided episodes. We just consolidated our recordings yeah. and then waited a while until the next one that's yeah that's kind of how it worked so so you've been on vacation what's it like going on vacation and then coming back to the chaos yeah. vacation was nice uh i definitely paid for it when i got back um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, finally this week i feel like it's kind of uh slowed down after a week and a half of uh you know crunch time uh getting yeah. caught up and uh, getting everything back on track. I f- yeah, finally uh, a little bit more relaxed. So, uh, so feeling. I'm feeling good. When you're on vacation, are you the kind of person who first thing in the morning and last thing at night when things are calm, you're checking work emails, or are you able to just <laughs> clock off completely? Uh, I'm the type of person where if I have my phone nearby, I will see the email. Okay, and I will gauge whether it's response worthy or <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm usually keeping in the loop because otherwise if you know if I wait an entire day even my email is so yeah. chock full of emails that it's actually more overwhelming and I have more of a reason to avoid it um, so I thankfully I was pretty caught up on emails I had a number of things to respond to that I kind of pushed off but um, right. everything urgent I knew about I kind of saw what was going on with the team which it's not really what I should be doing on vacation, but uh, saved me a little bit of heartache, I think, a little bit when of When you got back? When I got back and when I was yeah. there, just not knowing where certain things, you know, what was happening, what certain yeah. th- certain projects, uh, you know, the status of certain projects. And uh, I'm in a, a, a valuable position, but also an unfortunate position where uh, there are certain things that only I can do in the mm-hmm. company. And so on the off chance that it came down where... I was needed for one of those things. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, yeah, wanted to be somewhat Present. available. But yeah, mm-hmm. for the most part, this was a fun vacation. You know, I'm, I like, uh, typically I like going and sightseeing and seeing new places. I love traveling um, around the world. Um, but with a three-year-old, that's just not ideal or possible in a lot of cases. Um, so, uh, this was a nice change of pace. We just went to the beach and we were on the beach all day or in the pool. And, um, nice. so yeah, definitely missing the pool. <laughs> it was one of those, are you uh, a, yeah. are you a mountain guy or are you a beach guy? I am a mountain guy. Actually, I am, okay. um, I'm not a huge fan of the beach. Uh, but, uh, like I said, with, with, a with a child, um, the beach is very easy uh, because, uh, you just kind of let, let them play in the sand and, you know, um, you can sit in a chair, read a book, not, doesn't require too much attention. Whereas on a mountain, it'd be a little bit more chasing around and making sure that he doesn't touch that snake or, uh, (laughs) you know, I might enjoy it myself a lot, but, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a different story at, at some point when it's, he's a little older, you know, we'll start doing those things, but. 
so growing up, I have seven siblings, mm-hmm. and I remember my mom saying that camping was the opposite of a vacation for her and my dad. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> it couldn't be more opposite of a vacation than being the opposite of a vacation. Camping yep. was just so much work for what it was worth yep. for her mm-hmm. and my dad. But for us kids, it's like the thing that stands <laughs> out about being a kid. Yeah, sure. We would take our BMX bikes. We'd go to this place called um, um, Ricketts Glen and a couple other campgrounds in Pennsylvania and a couple, a couple of them had BMX tracks. And of course, mm. those are the ones that we would try to revisit. Camping is an exorbitant amount of work for adults who have to take care of kids, but, but for the kids, that is, that is <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. For sure. Um, I love camping growing the, up too. The beach to your point is just more family friendly. Like you said, yep. your, your kid can be playing and completely occupied and, um, free from your attention just because of everything going on around him that's all pretty safe this side of the water like just stay on the sand and in my view and you're good (laughs) exactly he could probably be out there all day building sandcastles and stuff yeah so yeah Yeah, i'm actually going to the beach next week tim i'm oh yeah i'm going and i haven't told you about it so uh, (laughs) oh man you are you which beach are you going to it's a good thing we're recording this now um well by the time this comes out i'll be on vacation I'll be, I'll be just leaving for a vacation. I'm going to, um, I believe we're going to uh, Rehoboth Beach. Okay. Have nice. you been there? I've never been there. Okay. So for those listening, Rehoboth is a beach. It's a nice, um, it's a kind of a smaller beach. It's pretty um, pretty easy to get to from where I live in Pennsylvania. No beach is, is all that close to here. I live in yeah. Lancaster, and so everything's like three and a half hours away. Um, three if you're speeding. <laughs> um, yeah. three and a half after you get pulled over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so a bunch of us are going down, my siblings and their spouses. Nice. And we rented an Airbnb or something like that, pretty close to the beach. Um, Very cool. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that'll be next week. So I, I'm just sort of taking notes here, which is why I ask. Like, oh, are yes. you able to not work when you're on, on vacation? <laughs> okay, you're able to actually do some work. All right. And it worked out well for you. Okay, good. So yeah. now I know I can just do that just a little here and there yeah. and yeah. it'll help me in the end. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's, that's the way to go. I knew too. I mean, so you don't have a kid. So that's the good thing is you can sleep yeah. in if you need to. Uh, me, I was like trying to take advantage of as much partying at night as I could with <laughs> uh, whoever was there partying with me. And then, uh, and I just knew I'm going to be awake at 7 8 o'clock because my son's going to wake me up. So um, regardless of how I spend the rest of this yeah. night, I'm waking up uh, and I'll be up. Um, sure. That's always but, in the back of your mind too. Like, yeah. I'm going to be up at this time. It's out of my control. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm sure mm. for your for your siblings, it'll be nice. We opted to uh, go with uh, my wife's family. Um, so there were aunts and grandparents oh, yeah? uh, okay. there to kind of help we we didn't have uh we weren't on on child patrol yeah all day every day you know um so there's a little bit of a break so i'm sure your siblings kind of feel the same way there's plenty that's of uncles really and aunts nice. and grandparents to absolutely take the brunt <laughs> that's that's a smart technique if you think about yeah. it my siblings are like hey let's all come together bring matt who can help out <laughs> and really likes our kids yeah 
yeah. and we'll willingly take them to the beach and we can get a little 10 second vacation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, I hadn't thought about it that way. Oh, wait <laughs> yeah. a second. You're getting I'm, exploded, I'm not, dude. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm interested in this anymore. <laughs> hey, Joanna, um, do you realize this is happening to you and myself? Cause we don't have, yeah, I yeah, knew that was yeah. happening. I'm okay. With yeah. that. Okay. 100%. That's why you were <laughs> Yeah. But it'll I be fun for you me. because you can, you can hand them back at the end of the day. Uh, and say, yep, I can hand them back at the end. And you can, I can hand them back them too. At, dude, I can hand them back at the end of the hour, man. I, <laughs> That's I true. Yeah. <laughs> you can spoil them here. Here, take some of these Twizzlers real quick. Uh, <laughs> here's go. some Skittles. Go, go back. Go run around. <laughs> man, I would get in so much trouble if I did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, you're just the uncle. It's, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So. I I get to um, I get to have fun with my nieces and nephews and make make a lot of memories with them. I I, I really like being an uncle. I I think that there there is something to be said about being free mm-hmm. um, from having too much responsibility in your life in the way of like jobs and hobbies and um kids are responsibility <laughs> and and when you yeah. don't have that responsibility, you're able to be there and fill and allow space for other people to sort of unload their, their overload of mm-hmm. responsibility. And I, yeah. I, I've, I've always felt like that as an uncle. Like if my sister needs help because her kids are a nightmare that day, it's like, I can help. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to be able to do all that much. I'm not changing diapers. Um, I, that's I'd where you pref- draw the line. I draw the line. I mean, I, <laughs> no I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not changing diapers, but I'll, I'll I'll entertain them, and if they start crying, I'll do my best to yeah. swaddle and uh, you know walk around and and you know say whatever I need to say to try to keep things yeah. calm. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I think that we all need people like that in our lives, and that's the importance of community. Yeah, is having people whose lives don't look like ours so that they can help us when ours are overwhelming. That's, and that's the, really the true. Same thing is true of, of my life. You know, like mm-hmm. your life is is a lot different than mine. But uh, and so where you might not be able to do something because of of the responsibilities in your life, hopefully I can step in and be like, here, let me you know help you out. For example, today yeah. my friend uh, needs his lawn mowed. Well. After I'm done teaching, I just got a mower and I'm going to go mow it. Dude just moved. Go. He's got three kids. One's having surgery oh, wow. next week. He's listening to this podcast. His name's Jeremy. I've never given him a shout out, but he's an avid listener. Hey, Jeremy. Um, and he's the kind of person that would do anything for everybody. And yeah. man, we need more people like that in our lives. Um, yeah. Because when we get the chance to return the favor, then it becomes a friendship that's rooted in just doing something for somebody else that they've already done for you. And that that's yeah. what he's that's what he's done our entire friendship. Mm-hmm. I guess the beach trip is sort of that, but you know, I I wish I would have been told <laughs> that I've been exploited. <laughs> yeah. I, I just sort of uncovered <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> I just, just discovered just this. <laughs> I didn't actually you did. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's uh it comes with the territory, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have the uh, the pleasure of being an uncle yet. I'm the oldest in my family, and my wife is the oldest in hers. So, oh, okay. We're still we're still waiting for uh, right some nephews and nieces, but uh, right sooner or later we'll we'll have that. But yeah, 
Yeah, it, it is special, I think. Um, and it's cool that you get to experience that as well, you know, that you um, yeah. have that relationship with, with your family and your, you know, your siblings' kids. It's, it's, uh, it's special, you know? It is. It is special. So. I, I really honestly enjoy it, and I hope one of them is a drummer. I'm just waiting. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, 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 uh, my, my brother's put out feelers like, okay. Hey, maybe you'd want to give Levi a drum lesson. And I'm like, yeah. I'll teach anybody, but they have to want to do it. And then I, I yeah. talked to Levi and I said, Levi, do you want to play drums? No, no. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> sorry, Ben. Like I'm not going to teach your son. That would not be a whole lot of fun. Then my brother, um, Jesse for a little while was like maybe Everett would want to play so I'm like Everett you mm-hmm. want to play drums no I want to play soccer it's like I don't blame you yeah. Jesse I'm sorry I'm not going to teach you son. so <laughs> hopefully one of them becomes a drummer yeah um, that would just be fun to yeah. be able to work with a family member but I guess I am enough drumming for the Griner family yeah. <laughs> I guess you you uh you took all the talent yeah. <laughs> all the drum talent that was available you I made all the noise. It all. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I made all the noise, man. Screaming babies. No. Uh-uh. That's that that DB is like, you know, you're only hitting 90 on that one. Drums. Right. Yeah. You're at 120. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man, I I uh we're we're so blessed to have the parents that we did to allow we really us to are. Uh, to learn in the ways that we did cuz We really are. My dad, I don't know. I mean, I know your dad worked on the farm. My dad worked from home um, as a programmer. And uh, God bless your dad. I don't know. I, we, How yeah, did he do that? I was right down the hall with my drums playing in the middle of the day while he was trying to work. <laughs> Earplugs. I don't know how and he did headphones. it. But uh, <laughs> thank you, dad, if you're listening. It's uh, ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, man, ah, oh, yeah. No, you're so right. If if you're a drummer, you're listening to this and you're a drummer, thank the people in your life who yeah. uh, are in an earshot of your playing, regardless of how good it is, because they're trying to live their life too. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to listen to the radio station, that song they really like. Yeah, they can't hear it because you're playing. Yep. <laughs> and take, Netflix take, show, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> take it take it as a as an example for yourself when you're getting really annoyed at something that someone's doing. Like I, I I'm just I'm just waiting for the karma that will ensue when my son has a recorder that he's supposed to be learning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. for grade school and I'm going to have to remind myself I did this oh, to myself man. I did this to my parents I deserve this I deserve this <laughs> I can take it <laughs> it took me a second to realize what you were saying I when you said recorder I was thinking like recording gear because that's what you and I talk about oh, but yeah, you yeah. actually mean the you musical mean like instrument a, the recorder like a flute like yes. uh yeah basically oh my yeah, I'm not looking forward to that no <laughs> nope you're welcome to come over anytime but, when that starts happening. I appreciate that. Yeah. You, would you take him? I'll just give you the kid with the recorder. Absolutely not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll take the no recorder. Diapers, no, recorders. <laughs> no recorders. I see where the line's being drawn. All right. It's <laughs> draw the line. Yes, you gotta draw the line sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So Man. we've got a good one for you guys today. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, we were going back and forth on topics over the last few weeks. 
um, because just like things can change in an instant in life, um, so can our ideas for for topics for this podcast. (laughs) Right. But um, we've got a couple good ones. Um, One of them I actually have no idea what uh what it's about so i'm i'm in for a surprise right along with you guys um but our topics today are sensitivity and legacy which one's the drum topic who knows let's who find knows out. Uh, <laughs> uh sensitivity we're going to we're going to jump into sensitivity now when i say sensitivity um i'm actually referring to um something very specific and this is uh, a drum term and it's being able to be sensitive to the song, being able to give the song what it needs. Uh, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, just between the two of us, Matt and Matt and myself, uh, we are sensitive to to drumming and music in two completely different ways. Um, so we're going to explore that a little bit um, right now. Good stuff. Um, so, um, so when I approach a song, um, and I am not, I am not a metal drummer. So keep that in mind as I'm saying this. Uh, when I approach a song, what I want it to do is add to what what I want the drumming to do is add to the song. Correct. I want the the drumming to support the parts that need support to pull back when something else needs to be. Uh, pushed forward. Um, I want, especially like uh, I think most of you listening, um, or at least a large uh, percentage, are worship drummers. You play at your churches, um, so that's a prime example. You as a worship drummer, uh, you need to support the song. When the song needs to build, you're giving it, you know, some kick, floor tom, snare. You're building it up. Um, four on the floor, (laughs) you know, but you can't do that the entire time. Otherwise it's just noise. It's not supporting the song. It's not being sensitive to what the song needs. Sometimes you need to sit back, just play in the pocket, uh, just play something simple. Um, so for me, I come from a pop, pop rock, uh, kind of background. And most of the bands that I've played in are within that umbrella of genre and um so they don't require a ton but Mm -hmm. usually in every song there's a point where i need to go crazy on the drums to be able to keep up with where this song is going um so being sensitive that's the explanation for being sensitive how do you do that um we're going to explore that before we explore that i want to hand it over to matt (laughs) <laughs> and give him a chance to explain what se- being sensitive to a song means to him. He's got the worship side and then the metal side, and those are both very different. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear this. Well, okay. So I'll start off with what a beautiful name. I did a cover of a worship song years ago. We were at the Grammys. I told Brooke Frazier from Hillsong about it, who wrote the song. A couple weeks later, I got a text message from Harrison Wood, the drummer for Hillsong. He said, you got to listen to this interview. Brooke talks about you. So I go listen to this interview and here she's like asked about the Grammys. What's your favorite, your favorite moment about the Grammys? I think the question was like, what, tell me about the Grammys, something in that context. And her response Mm -hmm. was, 
Well, I got to meet this metal drummer. And he told me he covered What a Beautiful Name. And the, the, <laughs> the host is like, a metal drummer? Like, and fake screaming. And Brooke's like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> fake screams. And she's like, yeah, but it's, it's, not, it's not like that. Like, he's an ambassador for a cymbal company. And he went to, he travels all across the world, all around the world. And he plays this song. And it's sort of a ministry for him to play this song as a metal drummer. So I had put this song online a while ago. I performed it at PASIC 2017. And uh, like I said, kind of forgot about it. So I went back and looked at it. And it is hilarious to see the <laughs> comments because it is either all praise or all condemnation. And, and not in a spiritual sense. I mean, like, wow, that was really cool drumming. Or, wow, you are absolutely obnoxiously overplaying the song. Right. <laughs> I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? Both sides could be correct. Two things can be true at the yeah. same time. Yep. Actually in life that's that's true more times than not. Two things can be true at the same time. It's something we need to remind ourselves of because yes, I was 100% overplaying the song. In the context of what I was doing and what my goal was, it was 100% appropriate. I was performing mm-hmm at a drum convention yep. where the spotlight were the drums. Yep. <laughs> the goal at this drum convention <laughs> is to play yep. hard and mm. show off, actually. Spotlight your yep. abilities. Show off this amazing instrument that we get to play. Yep. Was I overplaying the song? 100%. When it's put on YouTube and there's no context for what I played before this, which was Majoring in the Minors, which is a really fast ABR song, and afterwards, which was Provision, which is a pretty technical, fast, intricate metal song. It it's, does sort of seem a little strange. Like <laughs> This looks like a weird church, but my gosh, that guy should be fired immediately for playing that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, like, can yeah. you imagine going into church, Tim, Sunday morning, <laughs> and you hear this amazing song start with that heavy pad, and then you just yeah. hear like, be like, okay, um, that guy is not in his right mind and should be escorted off stage <laughs> yeah. immediately and never, yeah. never, uh, never allowed to return. Should, shouldn't even yeah. play drums again. <laughs> um, so, and, so anyway, um, I just wanted to lead off with that because that is an experience I've had with people's mm-hmm. opinion as it pertains to being sensitive. <laughs> yeah, sure. And playing along, you know, playing along with a, a song that in proper context is really not all that drum heavy. What a Beautiful yeah. Name should not have heavy, intricate, double bass, 16th <laughs> note patterns. It just shouldn't. And actually, if you've yeah. never seen it before, go watch it. Yeah, and it's good. Think, think, about, think about it in context of church, and you'll say, oh my gosh, this is horrific. And then think about it in terms <laughs> of a drum convention, and you'll say... I really like this. I think that this is mm-hmm. creative and I think that this took probably a lot of time to write and it did. Yep. And actually I was trying to be sensitive to the audience. So that's my point. Um, who is your audience? If mm-hmm. your audience is um, a church congregation, then the point of them being there is really not about you playing drums. It's actually pretty far from the reason, unless you're me and you go and, and, and anywhere you see music, <laughs> 
regardless of if it's worship or not, you're watching the drummer. Just that's just how I was wired. Um, but in most cases, you're going to church to worship God. And yeah. so if you're playing drums and you're distracting, we've talked about this a lot. If you're distracting um, the member of that church from praising God, thinking about God, you know, um, praying to God, then you're not doing your job. And that mm -hmm. requires an enormous amount of sensitivity. So much so that I've actually stepped away from playing drums for church because I, I don't feel like um, I can give it enough time to do the kind of job that it requires. I think mm. it's a it's a big deal, especially as a drummer. And worship yeah. drumming today, in this day and age, it's a very important instrument with the way drums are written now in Elevation and Bethel and Hillsong. And I feel like with as many times as people listen to these songs and they get to church and expect them to hear it, to, to sound a certain way, if there's any deviation from that, um, it can be really distracting. Hmm. which is damaging to the mission of church. So in a church sense, sensitivity is is a really fragile place, I feel like, because you're trying to think about the music as it pertains to people singing it to God. Yeah. Um, the recipient of their praise, their their singing, their their worship as it is, is is God? I mean, it's, man, it's not the drums. We need to think about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And so you're being used, if you believe this in a Christian sense, um, you're being used as a catalyst for that to happen. Right. Wow. That's a that's a sensitive sensitive spot to be, and I think we need to take that seriously and really do a good job of helping people find their way into worshiping God. In a yeah. metal sense, it couldn't be more opposite. Um, I like metal because it's basically just a big drum solo half the time. You're doing blast yep. beats, you're doing double bass, you're doing polyrhythms, accents. That's why I fell in love with metal in the first place, you know? Mm -hmm. I loved how much freedom there was. Yep. So, being sensitive to the song, being sensitive to the audience. When I'm writing drum parts, I'm calculating both of those and what they require of me. Baking it all into the cake and then writing drum parts that ultimately I have to be really happy with too. Mm -hmm. So the way I see this is if you're a drummer and you're sitting there thinking right now, okay, am I playing in a way that does the song justice? I think you can ask yourself two questions. One, are you making the song better with your drumming? And two, is this what the audience wants to hear from the song? Not just the mm -hmm. drum set, but the song. We've talked about this a lot too. When you walk into a guitar center, the drum set sitting three feet in the air with a spotlight on it. Our perception of drums is when you have, when you sit down at them, you have to play as fast and as hard as you can. And we have to unravel that a little bit. Take it, take it back, step back, breathe, sit down, and recalculate how we play because 
That's not, that's not always the case with drumming. Mm-hmm. But when you see a drum set, it's spotlighted up on a riser and you feel like when you sit, you have to give it everything you've got. I think more yeah. of us have to work at just dialing it back and thinking about what's happening in the song versus just thinking about what we're contributing to the song. Yeah. 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 Um, you said everything that I was hoping you would say <laughs> just now, um, but you touched on something really uh, important about sensitivity and um this is pretty much the explanation for sensitivity, knowing your audience, knowing the purpose of this song. Cause you gave the perfect example of, you know, what a beautiful name, your version and the Hillsong version, <laughs> you know, <laughs> both were extremely sensitive, but for the right audience, you know, if, if you put out you, Matt Griner, drummer of August Burns Red, put out a video of you playing what a beautiful what a beautiful name and you played it exactly like Harrison Wood played it people would be like pissed off they'd be like <laughs> yeah. what the heck is this yeah. i could have just went and watched Harrison do it like better <laughs> you know yeah. and and so and you know and so you were being sensitive because you knew your audience you knew exactly what they wanted to see and and you knocked it out of the park um you got to remember too that being sensitive to a song, um, even to a pop song, um, I'm actually going to use this as an example: pop country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nowadays, you see a lot of pop country. I don't listen to it myself, at least not a lot. Um, but to just assume that if someone's being sensitive to a pop country song means they aren't playing things that are hard to play, man, what a misconception! No kidding. Because what, like, like even like, I'll, I'm going to bring Ash Stone into it because yeah. if he's not brought up in an episode, I feel like something bad's going to happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're doing a disservice. Uh, yeah. Ash Stone is not a solo drummer. He said it himself in our interview with him. He is not a solo drummer. For him to get up on that Zildjian stage was uncomfortable for him because he is not a spotlight guy. Um, we all like that. We all like being in the spotlight. I'm not a solo guy either. It would take me so much more time to construct a drum solo where it's just me and I'm the focus because I've never done that. That's not what I do. Um, so take Ash Stone. The stuff that he plays is is so um, perfect for what he's playing it for, for the audience that's going to be listening. Um, but what he plays is actually quite difficult when mm-hmm. you break it down. There's a lot of articulation. There's a lot of skill. Um, there's a lot of feel that was de- developed over years and years of playing. So it's easy to think that, oh, if I scale it back, uh, it's just going to be easy and boring. And that's definitely not the case. No. Um, but like Matt said, you have to be sensitive to your audience. That is the most important thing. Um, for me, when I'm given a song to play on uh, for, for a session and I'm writing a drum part, that is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking, who is listening to this song? Hmm. What do they want to hear? What is going to make this song as good as it possibly can be? In most cases, it is not me being the front of the show. Hmm. But if August Burns Red sent me a song, this wouldn't happen, but if they sent me a song and said, we need you to write drums for this, um, how I played that pop country song a couple weeks ago would not be the way to write drums for this August Burns Red song. (laughs) That would be insensitive. 
Um, so that's really what I'm getting at is, you know, I think as a drummer, um, one of the best things you can do for your drumming, if your hope is to either get into session work or um, even play for a band, um, the best thing you can do for yourself is learn how to be sensitive to what it is you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, learn how to, um, to, to break a song down part by part, section by section, and know exactly what those sections need to not give away the best part of the song right at the very beginning. Hmm. You know, to not um, just uh, show off through the entire thing, um, but to actually listen to parts and see how can I play off of this guitar riff or off of this uh, vocal melody um, or off of this screaming part, mm-hmm. <laughs> for instance, to really give the song what it needs. I mean, so take a look at like SoundCloud, for instance. Point. I love that SoundCloud does this. SoundCloud, I mean, really anything, uh, there's most platforms do this at this point, but SoundCloud started where you can actually comment on songs at certain points of the song. Mm. And I loved going on SoundCloud and just looking at the comments at like two minutes and 12 seconds in where someone's like, dude, this breakdown, fire, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like that was some, I just loved like listening to the songs with the visual of these people's opinions and seeing like, you know, if, you know, if we got to the breakdown point at, at blood letter and Matt was still doing this blast beat (laughs) I'd be fired. It would feel weird. It would be it would be really weird, you know? But the fact that he took his time, you know, that's that's what people need. That's what people wanted to hear. And as soon as that came in, I can I can feel this energy. I can like if if you saw that live, everybody would be like psyched out of their minds. You know, they would start to feel it. And that's that's being sensitive. Um, in the same way. When Ash Stone pulls out that groove and stops on the two mm-hmm. instead of the three mm-hmm. and then starts again on the one, <laughs> that makes me freak out. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I would have never thought to do that. Uh, I probably would have just played straight through. <laughs> but he stopped there and then started again. Yeah. And it was the most incredible thing. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you can if you can teach yourself to be sensitive to the music, to the audience, um, that is really going to enhance your playing. So how do you do that? Tim, what do you think What's, about this? Um, I was asked to play a funeral. Last night, I found out mm-hmm. a couple nights ago. So I've been rehearsing for these songs. I'm not all that familiar with the worship yeah. songs. It was at a, it was at my church, as it turns out, and I knew one of the songs. I knew two of the songs. I had played one of them. There were four total. As I was working on these songs, I was referencing YouTube. On mm-hmm. YouTube, you can search for a song, and you could add the words "drum tutorial." You can then find yeah. how to play that song in most cases, if it's a popular enough worship song. I don't know about right. other songs, but I know in worship, in my experience this last week, there is that opportunity. It's very helpful. So there was an overhead shot of a drummer, and he had made several videos for several of the songs I was learning. Yeah. Because I only had eight hours or so to learn these songs, I needed I needed visual help to figure out what was happening and how it was happening. So I could play. And by the way, if you guys haven't done this already, 
you're lying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, it's great. I'm not I'm not discrediting you at all, Matt. You have every right to do this. Yeah. Man, I, I actually liked it so much I commented on the guy uh, or I liked the guy's um, page. And I was yeah. like in the middle of practicing along with this video and I got like a heart message back. I was like, oh, it makes me nice, feel good. Nice. I'm learning how to play this song because of you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I've done this yeah. for my own song. So there's, I have nothing to lose by saying this <laughs> and try to relearn my own songs from a decade ago. I'm going to do it again yeah. because I have to learn Thrill Seeker. How did I play this uh, in 2001? <laughs> how did I do this? So anyway, I had this thought and I want to talk about it. If you take away the drum parts the drums, any percussive element altogether, is the song better? If it's not, build it with one instrument at a time until it's where it should be. Hmm. I had this thought and I used it last night at the service. It helped me play what I felt like was appropriate. Not hmm. identical to what the drummer had played on the track even. Because at times as we were playing, and if you're a church drummer, this is... I'm preaching in the choir. Oftentimes, your musical director or your worship leader will talk back in your ears. Hey, let's go to chorus next. Okay, build into bridge. Okay, bring mm -hmm. it down. And so you're 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 on the fly, man. You're just going as he leads because he's following the Holy Spirit, hopefully, and yeah. the feel of the room. And in this case, last night. It was a funeral service. So you're really trying to gauge the um, three or four singers or um, vocalists on stage were family members mm -hmm. of the deceased father. So he's trying to gauge their emotions. And so what is your litmus test? How, how do you be sensitive to all of this? I, yeah. used, I used a standard last night, which was if I'm not playing at all, is the song better? Is this part better? I think it's I think it's better I not play at all here. Okay. Hmm. It's just acoustic. It was acoustic bass and keys. Okay, I think here we should maybe there should be some percussive elements. I think maybe some crash cymbals, maybe eighth note on ride. Yep, that's right. Hmm. So better I yep, I think I should keep building some toms. I think snare on the four. Okay, and now I'm building, building up. Yeah. I contrasted what I was playing with the previous week, another funeral where there was no drummer. And we played one of the yeah. same songs. It's called The Blessing. Um, there's actually a hilarious meme of this song. It's my favorite meme of the year. It's sung by Carrie Job. And um, it's talking about the stimulus checks. And the meme says, stimulus checks 2020. Who will pay for them? And the video and song in the background is Carrie Job singing, your children and their children and their children for a thousand generations. <laughs> and admittedly, last night, I, I did think about it. I always think about it whenever I hear this song. If you haven't seen the meme, you have to find it. It's the best That's meme of the is. year. I um, haven't seen it, but you definitely explained it well. That was hilarious. <laughs> and so I had heard this song played last week with no drums, and it lacked something. It really yeah. did. Like, mm. man, we get to play drums. And when you hear a song that doesn't have any, that you're, you know there could be drums to, to take it to this level, and it just never gets there. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. It, it's so, it's very rewarding to then be able to take the song there as that drummer. 
And that's that's exactly what we tried to do last night. But I use that as my standard. How would this song sound mm-hmm. without drums? Take it into until it's at the point where it should be, and then ask yourself the same question. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's exactly right. That's how you should approach it. And um, it's uh, definitely, I think, worship is at least in my experience the best uh, way to describe that because you're going to be playing other people's songs not as a cover band, quote unquote, sure. but as a, you know, you're leading worship for a congregation and, uh, and those are going to change. In fact, the, the worship team that I was a part of, um, for a long time, we didn't have song structures. So there, we never played the song exactly the same. We, had, we never knew, are we playing this chorus twice this time or are we playing it, you know, and we basically were just all, glued to the worship leader to see what's happening, you know, where are we going from here? Um, And it was always just being sensitive to what was happening in the room. Um, Sometimes we'd even go into a completely different song's chorus. (laughs) We just had to be ready. (laughs) We did that. We had our set list and we're like, yeah, there's, you know, 20 songs here. We're only really playing eight of them, but any one of these 20 could be within those eight that we end up playing. Um, And that was kind of our format. Uh, And it was really, um, it was really good for me as a drummer. Um, and it was really good for me learning how to play with sensitivity and uh, learning how to build parts. And thankfully, worship music is often the same chords, same BPM. <laughs> it was not extremely complicated yeah. to try to, you know, uh, switch around. But, um, but I, yeah, you're right. It's, um, you know, sometimes the way that it was played um, in this worship service is not the way it's, it should be played in this yeah. worship service. And I've seen Hillsong, I've seen Jesus Culture, um, and I haven't actually seen them play it the same way that they played it on the live album version. True. Um, so it's usually different. There's usually different singers even that sing different parts. That's true. It's such an anomaly. <laughs> um, Worship music is such it, an anomaly. Like It is. To your point about on a Sunday morning, you're not a cover band, and you're not yeah. playing for an audience who paid a ticket price to get in there because they're mm-hmm. not... An audience, they're a congregation. It's there's there's <laughs> right. nothing like it in all of music. It's true. It's um, true. But I always feel honored. I always feel honored to yeah. play for church. I really do. I don't do it often. Um, as it turns out, this was a funeral, but um, it's very timely. I think with talking about sensitivity, because yeah. I was thinking the entire time, without really putting a word to it, how to be sensitive. There are people mm-hmm. grieving in this room. There are people who have probably never heard drumming in this room. There were a lot of Amish Mennonite brother in there, Mm. you know, very conservative denominations. And here you are playing, you're banging these drums, like be careful. Um, And then at the same time, you're going to offend some people. You're going to push the limits. You got to be careful there, man. Drums, drums are a sin. It says so. Somewhere. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm probably not going to heaven if that's the case. <laughs> unless, just unless the good Lord is full of forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right, though. I, well, one of the things that I love that um, my old worship leader used to say is that um, being on the worship team is not a right. If you go to church and you're a Christian, doesn't mean that you automatically have the right to be on this worship team. So it's not a right, it's a privilege. And I can't agree with that more. You know, being able to lead a group of people who love God 
in worship to God, the God. That's uh, not something to take lightly, and it's so easy because it's music, because it's something that I do every exactly. day, because it's just playing drums. It's so easy to think of it. Yeah, that you way, have but to it's separate not them. The same. You really do. Yeah, and I'm not great. It's at, not the same. I'm not great at that. I I know exactly what you're talking about because this is what I do. It's sort of like saying you have to separate what you've always done with this brand new thing, but it's the same thing. You're still holding sticks. Mm-hmm. You're still hitting drums. Right. It's really the mindset. Um, if you're listening to this and you're a church drummer, a lot of this probably resonates with you. If you're not a church drummer, this is a lot of new information. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's, a, it's a reality that's all around us, whether or not you're in church or not. Um, the, there yeah. are churches across the country and the world, and every, in a lot of cases, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, um, there is a drummer playing in a worship band, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a good learning experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think so. I want to end off with this because um, for those of you who aren't worship drummers, I want there to be some kind of practical application. I think the best thing you can do for yourself if you want to be sensitive or learn how to be sensitive to to music um, is to listen to all different types of music. I've said it before. I will continue to say it. <laughs> um, if all you listen to is metal, that's not helping you. Yeah. In fact, true. Matt's August Burns Red developed in style, and I've had the pleasure of kind of hearing it develop. Yeah. Uh, I could tell when Matt started listening to Aaron Spears. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could tell his drumming style. He he adapted certain piece, elements of that style of drumming. That's true. And um, you know, and I'm sure it goes the same for JB. Uh, for the guitarists in the bands. Yeah, they all have different influences that they're pulling from, and that works its way into the writing. I know that's true for myself as a writer. Um, and uh, the best thing you can do for yourself is just, you know, surround yourself with different types of music. Um, and I know, especially if you're looking to be a session musician, you need to be able to know what is the staple type of playing for a country song. What's the hmm. staple type of playing for a rock song? You know, like you need to know those things um, in order to be well versed, um, and also just like to, you know, be able to figure out what like who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, true. Um, you're not just gonna, you know, if you're just listening to metal, you're gonna probably be just another metal yes. drummer. Um, but if you're listening to all different things and you know what you like, you'll start to adapt these other styles of play, these different types of fills, um, into your playing and um, become a little bit more unique in that way. So, um, so that's my advice for you. Hopefully this was informative and not just a whole confusing conversation, (laughs) but, um, but it is, it's huge. Sensitivity is a, is a huge part of being a good drummer. Yeah. And and you have to be a good drummer to be sensitive. That's true. I, I think you have to be somewhat proficient at your instrument. Otherwise everything is 10 out of 10 volume. Playing soft is hard for most people. Playing hard mm-hmm. is hard for others. Um, so you definitely have to develop your ability to play in a sensitive manner with the music yep. and for a particular audience. Yeah, yeah. Legacy. Cool, good stuff. Legacy. All right. I am excited to hear what this even means. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, nine years ago, I was asked to play for the funeral of three kids that died in a car accident. It was a local, 
um, happening. Family friends of ours. I had grown up with the fam, uh, the oldest of the kids. Uh, she was younger than me, but the younger siblings, uh, three of them were the ones who passed away in this car accident. They were twin boys, 16 years mm-hmm. old, I believe, and a girl who was, I believe, 11 or 12. It's been, it's been nine years, so it's been a while. Uh, the one twin was a drummer, and I had talked with him about drumming and maybe had done a drum lesson at some point. So, um, I heard about this happening and I got a call f- to come over to the family's house. So I went over and, hmm. um, they're, they're a very welcoming, very friendly family with basically an open door policy. So I wasn't intimidated hmm. to go. I just wasn't sure what I could say, would say. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I didn't just want to be yeah. another person in the room, um, with emotions. Right. There was no shortage of that at that point. So I, I went over there and I was so surprised that there was, uh, there were emotions other than grief. There was grief, Hmm. but there was this sense of joy knowing that their children were with Jesus. Christian family with very strong spiritual values. Um, And so I talked to, the dad, his name's Mark, and we we talked for a little while, and he said, um, "I'd like you to play drums um, at the memorial service, at the at the the funeral service. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's going. There are going to be a lot of people there, and it's going to be broadcasted on TV. We want to honor um, our children, and we feel like this is something that we should do because our one son was a drummer, and we really love music." And so I thought, what in the world could I actually play that would be appropriate at a funeral service? And so I asked them, could I maybe speak a little bit beforehand as to not surprise people with just, here's a guy playing drums. Did the worship team forget to get up there? Like, you know, hey, your guy's playing. You guys get your guitar out here. And, um... And so th- I, I spoke for a little bit and I, I remember exactly what I said. Um, I talked to, I looked straight out and I found my dad in the audience. There were several thousand people there. There were something like 10,000 people watching um, with the broadcast. And I said, the, uh, a great man once said that the only semblance of order that we see in the world today is because of the hand of God. That great man mm. is my dad. And I found him when I said that. Um, and I talked about the kids and then I said, I'm going to play a drum solo for them that I wrote for them to honor their lives. So I went back and I played and afterwards I went back in the green room at this church and I just started bawling. I didn't really know, um, why beyond the fact that I was just overwhelmed with this, um, reality that, that these, these three kids were gone and that for some reason God had given me this gift of playing drums that was being used at a service to honor their lives. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. So new for me. I, I mean, it's just something you mm-hmm. can't even prepare for. Um, so what did I play? Um, I was watching a lot of Steve Gadd. I wanted to play something that was almost like marching military cadence. So I was watching mm-hmm. actually some presidential funerals to see what cadence the drums were doing. 
and find something that would work to create this somber sound and then go into a yeah. full-blown solo. And that's exactly what I did. So there's a famous drum trio uh, video with uh, Steve Gadd, Vinnie Kaliuta, and Dave Weckl. And Steve Gadd starts at this really powerful yeah, I know that snare one. piece. And that's what I mimicked it. Mm-hmm. I mimicked that in my plane. Okay. So three kids die. Family moves on. I formed a bond with Mark. And it was because of that day. It was because of that day, because of that loss. Mark would say things to me that if anyone else said to me, I would just throw it out. Like, I don't really believe that. I don't believe the Holy Spirit works like that. I don't really believe Jesus would do that. I don't know that that's the right way to live your life. I don't know that that's the right thing to do with your money. I don't know that I could have that mentality and as it pertains to you losing your kids, like all these areas of life, he would talk to me about tithing. He just had a different way of thinking about so much of this, but he always Hmm. talked about faith with me and God. And as I said, if anyone else were to say the, the, the types of things, like if, if, if you were to say them to me, I would listen, but a part of me, you know what I mean? Would just sort of discredit it. And uh, I don't, I don't know with Mark. It was never like that. What he was saying was absurd half the time. In my mind, up up up, <laughs> up here, it was like, no, no, no. Yeah. But there was a credibility that was rooted in this bond that we had formed nine years ago when he lost his three children. And so anything that he said was was on the table for me. I at least was going to look at it, evaluate it, pray about it, write about it, question it. Because yeah. the, this guy had a place to speak from that I believed in, especially after my mm-hmm. divorce. When there's loss mm-hmm. to that extent, there's credibility that is granted you, whether you know it or like it or not. And that what you say has just a little bit more grit to it because you survive something yeah. that a lot of people would not be able to survive. I wouldn't have been able to survive it. Losing three children and moving on and saying, I'm so glad that they're with, you know, Jesus in heaven. This is this is just an amazing thing to look forward to. No right. way. Okay. So um, I have a um, soccer league that meets every Tuesday night. We were playing soccer Tuesday. Um, and Mark and I talked for about an hour about Job. Hmm. About how... There was a man who lived an upright life and he experienced hell on earth and God essentially revealed to him, who are you to question me? Mark had that mentality. Mark fully believed that. Mark believed that he was God's and everything he had was God's and that anytime he questions God, he screams at him. And then God quiets him by saying, who are you to question me? I am God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mark lives his life then in response to that. Mark started coming to soccer with us last year, last fall. He passed away on Thursday morning. He was 54 years old. Two days after we talked about Job. Nine years after he lost three children in a car accident. 
the legacy that this man built and leaves behind is something that makes me question what kind of life I'm living. Because Mm. this man had a reach that is far beyond anything I have in this community in Lancaster County. The amount of people at this funeral last night, the amount of people at the viewing, the amount of people at his house every day, the proficient businessmen and pastors and friends of 20, 30 years, 40 years, um, all his children and their spouses. And yet, uh, everything that he did in business successfully, unsuccessfully, he did in, in such a larger than life way. He went for it all the time. And what I didn't realize, and this is what I want to say about legacy. What I didn't know is that the conversations Mark was having with me, he was having with everybody else. I thought he was just having them with a few people, people that wouldn't run away when he said, I think God's telling me to say this to you. Or what do you think about this? I thought he was saying that to me because he knew that I wouldn't run away and I wasn't going to feel trapped and cornered, you know? Guess what? Last night, there was probably 10 to 15 people spoke. And all of them said the same thing in different ways. Mark had talked to them exactly the same way he talked to me. And many of them didn't listen. Many of them could could have stayed and had a decent conversation. They heard what he said, but they're just like, nah, that's too much for me. And they walked away. And yet last night, half of them are grown men, you know, businessmen in the car industry, probably never been in church. And they're sitting there bawling their eyes out because of this man's legacy. That's why they showed up. So all the money, all the accomplishments, all the assets, all the friends, all the hunting trips, this guy lived life full bore. Mm. And those things were mentioned in passing but they were shadowed by the overwhelming messaging that is Mark believed in a God who is good and he fulfilled his assignment on earth and he's with his kids because of the way Mark lived his life. I want to reevaluate my faith in God. I want to question what God is saying to me. That's what he left behind. Hmm. That's what he left behind in the hearts and minds of thousands of people here in town, in this county, in the state. There were people streaming in from uh, Germany. Yeah, what did his dad say? Germany, Montana, Idaho. There were people, you know, uh, tuning into the service. And so I I think it's something that we need to look at because we busy ourselves with with so much and there's nothing wrong with being busy so long as we're busy doing the right kinds of things that actually matter because as it turns out it seems like mark spent an exorbitant amount of time being busy doing the things that mattered 
even yeah. when they were <laughs> conversations were probably so awkward, awkward conversations with people who had never even heard about God talked about the way that he was talking about him. I mean, yeah. if, if it made me half run away some of the time, I can't imagine what it did. Some of these car guys at the Manham auto auction and, you <laughs> know, like, Hey, what has God been saying to yeah. you recently? Huh? Yeah. What, what's, hmm. what's God been putting on your heart? Nothing. Well, <laughs> I just really been praying for you. I really love uh, you, man. I really care about you good. and I really yeah. want to help you. Hey, is your driveway, uh, your driveway is not, not, not real straight, right? It's kind of a pain in the butt to get in and out of. Do you know how to run a truck? Yeah. Okay. End the conversation. Week later. Hey, it's Mark. I loaded up my track hoe on my trailer. I'm bringing it up. We're going to straighten out your driveway. Dude shows up, spends all day straightening out his driveway, making his life a little bit better. Change the guy's life. He Man. spoke last night at the funeral. Didn't even really know Mark. And yeah. no one had ever heard that story before either. Wow. So the legacy that we leave behind is oftentimes, I think, the conversations we have that no one ever knows about. In fact, the conversations we think we're the only ones having with that person. But in fact, they're happening mm -hmm. all the time with everybody else. And even if it lands with 50% of people, it's worth a risk. Yeah. Because if we really believe it, if we really believe in God and, the, and our faith and the Bible and what Jesus did for us on the cross, then we have to be willing to live a life that reflects that kind of love that goes mm -hmm. out of its way, inconveniences us and maybe sometimes other people so that our legacy is one that points people towards him and celebrating yeah. our life, even when it's over. The credibility mm -hmm. that Mark has, even though he's dead, is is unbelievable because of right. the way he lived his life. Hmm. What kind of legacy are we leaving behind? The life that we live is creating a legacy. Is it one that we are proud of and we feel like will be lasting? Or is it one that will just sort of yeah. fade out? Go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> no, but seriously, that was, um, I feel like we could end the, <laughs> the conversation right there, but uh, I will I will add something. I know um, your gears are turning. That was incredible. I know your gears are turning. Yeah, my, my gears are turning. My gears are turning. So um, I'm glad you spurred this on because um, I, uh, so just last night I actually, uh, I had a sales presentation um, yesterday evening and, um, it was for a fire mm -hmm. department. So uh, for those of you that don't know, I work in marketing. Um, I'm a, an account manager. Uh, I do a, a quite a bit of selling as well. And so I, we were doing this presentation for this fire department. Um, the first thing we did was, was ask, there was four, uh, board members present. Uh, we asked all four of them, you know, what was it that made you want to be a fireman? It was so their their goal was to to recruit more firemen. They're, you know, uh, running sparse. Uh, it is a volunteer position. It's tough to get people motivated. Uh, and going into this, I was like, well, you know, like what little kid didn't want to be a fireman at some point? Like, what, you know, we see the fire trucks going by, and you're fascinated, and you know, you want a fireman's costume, and you want to wear the hat, and you want to 
see the fire truck, you want to hold the hose. You know, what little kid didn't want to do that? I was like, this is going to be a piece of cake. <laughs> but the thing, the thing is, uh, so, true. When you put there's, it a lot like of, that. there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of variables. I was thinking uh, I come from a, a place of storytelling, of creativity, and I'm just like, I could have a blast yeah, exactly. with this. You know, this, this is a piece of cake for me. When, I, when we were talking to them, the thing that they all had in common, the reason why they wanted to be firemen was because they wanted to make a difference. Most of them, uh, some of them went, got in early. They were like 16, 17, 18 uh, when they started. Um, but like a lot of these guys, they come in because they want to get in shape or they want to, uh, or you know, they they want to be firemen, but they have a family and they can't be on call, so they come <laughs> they come in to help in some way. But every single one had the same reason: they wanted to make a difference. They wanted to do something for their community and be better people. They wanted to make a difference. And I was thinking, if there's one thing that we as humans have in common. Like, and this is my marketing wheels spinning, but I think it really applies to this conversation. My, in my mind, I was like, all right, forget about everyone wanting to be a fireman when they were kids, the awe and wonder of fire trucks and Dalmatians and whatever. Uh, you know, forget about that. Everybody wants to make a difference. Mm. Everybody wants yeah, to come on. leave a legacy. That is... That's how we're going to market mm-hmm. this thing. <laughs> so, great. with that being said, with that as uh, as my little story, um, I think it's true. If there's one innate thing that we all have in common, uh, at least for the most part, it's that we want to be remembered. We want to live. We want to leave a legacy. We want to do something big. That's we right. want to make a difference. I mean, the reason why Marvel and DC make millions and millions of dollars is because they sell superheroes. Mm-hmm. They sell heroes. And there's something innate in us that's like, I want to be a hero. I want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. I want to be remembered. It's not, it's not about the flashy fame. It's about the heroism. It's about the making a difference, saving people's lives. There's something in us that we want to do that. Speaking of heroes, um, it's my dad's birthday, and I just got this in the mail from Shutterfly. Ah, no way. Yeah, that's incredible. (laughs) Uh, Happy birthday to your dad. Happy birthday, Dad. He doesn't listen to this, but I'll make him listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Just just like, you know, like an hour into (laughs) the episode, just have him start. Happy birthday, Mr. Griner, if you're listening. (laughs) And if you're listening and not looking, I just held up a mouse pad that said, heroes have your back. And it's a a good memory my dad and I have together. We went to a, um, I don't know if it was like a farm show field day, uh, farm equipment demo but there's a big john deere tractor behind us and i i was like dad come here we'll take a selfie (laughs) he knew what it was (laughs) i think you had posted that picture you posted that picture on social media and i think it got more engagement than most of the videos that's usually how people love your dad yeah that's well you're i mean you're in the business of telling stories I, i think that if i was building a company i'd want you to be the one behind it because instead of someone who just might know drumming or, or might know the drum audience or the drum world or whatever business it was, because you need to tell a story. That's one thing I found yeah. on my Instagram is like, I used to hold back and maybe just 
highlight one area of my life that I thought people cared about. And then I don't know how long ago it was. I just started posting stuff that I actually cared about in addition to just drumming and, um, a well-rounded view. And it was like, Oh wait, people really like a full blown story. They're drawn to what's real. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, to your point about the firefighters, I think that will be a successful, um, campaign. And I, I, I think to my point about Mark, he was, he was real. Mm. He really believed in what he said. And half the time it sounded crazy to me, but deep down I knew that it was at least worth looking into now that he's gone. Um, it makes me reevaluate it all over and over again. And what I mean by that yeah. is, where do I stand? What's my relationship with God? Am I building a relationship with him? Or is it one that's just sort of there when it's convenient? For Mark, yeah. there, was, there was not... The word convenient wasn't a part of his spiritual vocabulary. And I think that we need mm -hmm. to look at that because if, if, we're, if we're sitting pretty, <laughs> if it's convenient, you know... Is it really pushing us? My, I yeah. had a conversation with this uh, about this the other day. Um, I don't think we talked about this or not, Tim. But um, you know whether or not you agree with wearing masks, um, the evangelical Westernized world talks a lot about the cost of Christianity. I don't see much of a cost. Wearing a mask might yeah. be costly in your mind it might also careful Matt we might lose some listeners here it, it might also <laughs> be kidding. the first cost go for it bring it on <laughs> but seriously think about yeah. that take away yeah. the idea of mask or no mask or whatever political stance or whatever your church might look like think about yourself in the westernized world as an evangelical Christian I would mm -hmm. I would I would offer the sentiment that we say there is a cost to Christianity. We can all agree it's a biblical it's a biblical mandate that to be a Christian is costly, right? I mean, it costs mm -hmm. us. I don't yeah. see much of a cost in the westernized world. I actually see <laughs> yeah. more convenience. I see more opportunity. Mm. And that bothers me because it means that we're not yeah. we're not we're not getting something that we're supposed to be. And when I see something like something that's so politicized like COVID-19, but yet so hurtful to a lot of people, I think, can't we mm -hmm. look at the most important verse in the Bible debatably in my mind, I shouldn't say it like that. Um, the, to love, to love our neighbor, to love God and to love our neighbor. And yeah. this is an opportunity yeah. to do that. Amen. And it, it might, it might feel costly. And to other people who, um, yeah. agree with wearing masks all the time, you sort of laugh at that and say costly. Well, if that's not costly, find another way. But it should be yeah. costly. To Mark, it was costly. And that's his legacy. Mm -hmm. The fact that he spent time having conversations he would not have had to have. He could have been out making money, yeah. buying cars, doing this, that, and the third. But he was not doing that yeah. because of a conversation about something that seemed kind of crazy to the person listening. That's costly right. to his reputation, mm -hmm. to his profit margins, to just his life in general. Yeah. And yet he did it all the time. Yeah. And at yeah. his funeral, 
I think that there were people like me thinking maybe they were the only one that had a conversation like that and it was special and unique and different. And they realized, oh my gosh, it's a room full of people who had conversations with this guy and they were Mm -hmm. all like mine. Yeah. Okay. So here it is. (laughs) Driving it home. Uh, First off, if you're a Christian and you think that wearing a mask is a form of persecution, please, (laughs) please reevaluate your idea of Christianity. (laughs) Please. No kidding. I'm going to throw that out there right now. If I hear one more Christian saying, we're being persecuted because you have to wear masks. <laughs> I will flip the shit. <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> I am so sick of it. But on top of that, to wrap this topic up, because I think this was really an incredible conversation. I am, my wheels are turning, not because I have more to say, but because I have more to process, more to think about, more to, more to reevaluate, really. Um, so what I want us all to do is I want us to think of, a person or some people, and whether you believe in Jesus or not, this is something I want you to do. Think of a person or some people that you think live a legacy or lived a legacy. I know, Matt, for you, it's Mark, it's your dad. Um, I'm sure you have a number of others that, you, that come to mind when you think about this. I have a, a bunch of people in my mind. Think of someone who, if they died today, they would be remembered and they live I like a legacy. And then look at yourself, look at your own life and say, how can I be a little bit more like Mm -hmm. those people? Uh, What would it take for me to be remembered? I mean, that's not what it's all about. You know, life isn't about being remembered. It's not about leaving legacy. But I will say that the, the people who live lives with that in mind or the people that live lives that do Mm -hmm. leave legacies are the most impactful and they're, and they're doing mm-hmm. the most for the world. And that, and that is mm-hmm. something good. That is something we're supposed to be doing. That's something we're mm-hmm. called to do. Like Matt said, love your neighbor. <laughs> you want to leave a legacy? Start there. <laughs> <laughs> Start there. So man. think of some people, break down the characteristics of these people that you hold in high regard, the people that you'll remember for the rest mm-hmm. of your life break down their characteristics and, and measure them against your own characteristics. Do I look like these people? Do I treat others like these people treat others? Will people remember me if I died right now, if I died mm. today? Because uh, I, I have to question that. I have to wonder, will, I just, will my name just disappear? Mm. You know, will, have I made a difference in people's lives? So that's something yeah. I'm going to be doing because I think I can, regardless of where I'm at in my path of legacy, uh, regardless of where I stand there, um, thinking about these things, reflecting on these things, and um, implementing these things will make me a better mm-hmm. person. And that's worth it for me. So hopefully it's worth it to you guys too. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. And just in closing, I, I'll say this about Mark. I'm, I'm really going to miss him. And I didn't agree with everything mm-hmm. that he did or said what I learned from him and will try to implement is his way of thinking about life. It wasn't about today for Mark. It was, mm. it was not about even this year for Mark. It was about this life being one blip 
on a really long you've seen that you've seen that um seen that picture being used we have a really long rope and you have this little red dot right in the middle and that's life mark had this perspective mm. that 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 was true that little red dot is his life here on earth and there was all the space afterwards which as christians were told is what happens when we die heaven you know mm. the afterlife mark lived his life with that perspective i think we could use a little bit more of that instead of losing our minds about what's happening today and this week and this year, especially in 2020, yeah. a lot of chaos and panic and um, anxiety, just thinking long-term with a hmm. larger mindset than just how is this affecting me now? And more so thinking, yeah. who is this making me into? So I hope you guys yeah. enjoyed um, thinking about that and hopefully you'll, you'll take yeah. that thought um, and, and start to let it seep into your every day in a way that little things start to change here and there that maybe you're not even yeah aware of. Um, right. but I think it, it starts, it starts in your heart. Uh, if that's, you know, weird to think about just, um, for me, when I think about my, who I am, it's, it's, it's what I do when, no one's around and, um, you know, there's, there's no one to showcase how I'm living my life. That's who I am. That's my heart. So at the end of the day, yeah. am I still writing down in that one page diary? Okay, good. Am I saying a little prayer in the morning? Am I doing something for someone that no one else knows about? Those are the things I think that really make us who we are. Um, and so you'll, you, you'll start to see some some changes in those areas if if this has impacted you in any way yeah yeah absolutely that's good stuff, good stuff man so um if you're listening to this and you have more you'd like to add or you have questions or uh comments or anything um you can hit us up at uh matt and tim at the holy if you want to email us or um at holy ghost notes on instagram uh, we love talking to you guys. Um, feel free to comment, send us a message. Um, yeah, we love it. Uh, in addition, I keep hearing from people that we are not asking for ratings enough. <laughs> so if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, um, drop us a rating and uh, maybe a review as well. Um, it apparently helps a lot more than we can see. Um, <laughs> so if you could do that, please, that would be that would be that's what fantastic. Um, that's what we're told. So uh, here, here it is. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna ask. Um, yeah, and uh, we had some cool stuff happen on the inner circle this month. Um, we have uh, Jonathan Thomas, JT, the man. Uh, he did some drum lessons for nice. our inner circle. So um, if you guys are interested in supporting the podcast and uh, getting some cool stuff in return. Um, check out patreon.com slash the, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash Holy Ghost Notes. Um, the double tier, which is the second tier and above, all get immediate access to our drum lesson library, which has drum lessons now from Jonathan Thomas and from Adam Gray. Uh, we have new lessons each month, and uh, it also gives you immediate access to our incredible community group. So um, if you're interested, check that out. 
Um, other than that, use hashtag Holy Ghost Notes on your drum videos. And the top and, two uh, tiers get access to MacronLessons.com. I just released Blood Letter. That's right. Uh, which is a newer song yep. off Guardians, our newest record. And the um, contest giveaway for this month is a Griner Kilmer 14-inch Maple Stave snare drum. So every month we do a giveaway yep. for the best uh, hashtag I play um, submission. Yep. Last month it was Kevin Corcoran. The month before that was uh, Zach nice. Inch. Congrats, Kevin. And yeah. uh, Zach won um, a Zildjian cymbal. And, Zach, and yeah. Kevin won a pair of Ultimate Ears, that, uh, which were originally donated to um, Beating Drums of Battle Cancer by Ultimate Ears and then donated back to me. And then um, <laughs> Ultimate Ears said, you should use them for your <laughs> subscription website. And I said, great. So Nice. That's the way to go. Yeah, and Zach and... Uh, Kevin have both been featured on yes. our page because they use the hashtag Holy Ghost Notes. Very Look talented drummers. Check Big them out. There. Yeah. Yep. Definitely check them out. Um, and yeah, Triplet and Ghost Note Tears get immediate access to MacGrindLessons.com. So uh, that's pretty sweet. Um, Good stuff, yeah. man. I think that only, uh, well, actually, in regards to the Inner Circle, I do have one quick shout out. Shout out to Daniel McIntyre. Uh, welcome to the Inner Circle. Thank you for your support. Uh, good to have you, man. Looking forward to getting to know you. Um, yeah, now we only have one left, one thing we left do, to do. We do, and I can't recall for the life of me. Hmm. Oh, I think I got it. One, <laughs> two, three. Stay with us. Peace.